Life's Apologetics Live with Matt Slick and Andrew Rappaport, part of the Christian Podcast Community. All right. We are live. I don't know, Matt, did you hear the introduction music? I don't know that it was playing. That's weird. It was not playing through the system, so sorry about that. But uh, we are live, and we thank you for joining us. Wow, this was, we just get started already. There are some super chats. So uh, let me first introduce us before we go to the super chats, if that's okay. I am Andrew Rappaport, the host, and I am with Striving for Eternity Ministries. And we have Matt Slick in the house, both of us together. It's been a while since we've been together, Matt. Yeah, not long enough. <laughs> All right, so John Train gave two ninety-nine cent super chats, so thank you very much for that. And as always, I mentioned that the super chats go to karm.org. It goes to help support them. Uh, for folks Great. who... Huh? Good. Uh, we need that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we desperately need it. Yeah, yeah so, and, and for folks who, who know, you know, this is uh, Apologetics Live, is a show that's uh, put on by Striving for Eternity, but we work with CARM. Crazy idea, two Christian ministries working together, Matt. That's kind of insanity. How does that work? Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it, I don't know. I think we don't take each other too seriously, and that's probably a good thing. Because I don't take you seriously. I mean, you're a complete joke. So, hey, you know. And I don't no take sweat. you seriously. I mean, there we go. Presbyterian, come on. That's right, Disby. I mean, you might as well get your theology straight now so that when you're in heaven, you don't have to change like me. I don't oh, have to change. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm changing. I'm not holy and perfect like you are. <laughs> so I've been gone, Matt, to your favorite area, a place you, you really love going to. Now, you gotta understand, you got to tell people why. <laughs> you know, you're teasing, but why do you say it that way? Okay. So, Matt, there's a couple things Matt really doesn't like. One is noise. Too much noise. Too much noise. The other is traffic. And the Philippines had a lot of both. (laughs) But I had something Matt is not willing to do. And for folks uh, who want to, let me make sure Matt's face is on here when when I'm saying this. But, Matt, I enjoyed some balut. Look at that face from Matt. So, for folks listening on the podcast, Matt just made a very interesting face of complete disgust because he cannot handle eating balut. It tasted sweet. It was like having a sweet egg. You know, I'm going to start hurling here pretty soon. (laughs) You want to explain what balut is? man. No, you do. I don't want to. Okay, so balut, Justin Peters and I were in the Philippines to do some conferences uh, and I actually spoke, Matt, more than you and I did on that Apologetics cruise we did together. And we spoke a lot we, there. Yeah, I, I think in those we did, we did. Uh, you did, I think, it's either you did nine, then I did eight messages in seven days. Right. And this trip, I did 12 messages in 10 days. <laughs> Wait a minute, was, let's do some math on yeah, that. Yeah, so it's probably pretty close. So what was that? You did how many? So I ended up doing 12 messages in 10 days. So you did, so that's 10 for 12. Okay, I'll get a ratio. And I did nine in, how long were we? We were gone for, it was like a seven or eight day. So technically, I guess, eight days, seven nights. So 
Matt's going to do the math eight on that. Eight days, seven nights. So I'll do eight days then. Oh, okay. But yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll work it out. Yeah, you you work it out. So, yeah. uh-huh. so we were we were out in the Philippines, and you know one of the things that was encouraging was I ran into some people who listened to this show. And the reason that's super encouraging is this is playing live in the Philippines at 8 a.m. Friday morning is when we start. And so we, we run 8 to 10 Friday mornings, and there are people who watch live from the Philippines. So they're getting up early and checking this out. And so they I had a couple people say how helpful this show has been for them and learning how to answer questions. And we we really had an impact there in the Philippines. I, I have a podcast, my Rap Report podcast, that will drop this weekend. Uh, just Justin Peters and I got together and we discussed the the two weeks we were in the Philippines, and it was you know the, a great impact. Man, I know you're you're encouraged when you hear these things. But we had several people that are in or were, were I should say in Word of Faith churches and are not anymore. A number of people who left Victory Christian Church, which is one of the big Word of Faith churches, and the other is G12, and they were telling us, and con- they're still contacting even as of uh, last night, when we were, just before Justin and I recorded, we got a message from someone that was letting us know that um, because of the female, we, we dealt with the issue of women preachers, and over that issue, they realized they had to leave their church that had two women preachers, and so... It's it's neat to to realize that you know we could fly to the Philippines and and literally as one person said the whole country is talking about the conferences that we had, um, so it's good to know there was an impact there. Good. So good. So what is it? I'm reading, I'm just reading what Bill is saying in the chat. He says, "Welcome back, Andrew. Matt will spend time in purgatory while Andrew the Saint will go straight to heaven." <laughs> I like Bill. Bill's a good guy all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so there, there's a, a new thing, I guess, on Facebook where people can put up these votings, and, and I've been noticing that some some websites had voting on podcasts. Well, Gospel Track Planet decided to put up your favorite living preacher. I don't know if you're even on that list, actually, Matt. Uh-oh. But I got paired up in round one versus Phil Johnson. There's no way of making it past round one. <laughs> John MacArthur's up against like Kenneth Copeland. Like seriously, that, that's like a no brainer. <laughs> All right, I have to go look. I'll have to look to see if Matt Sticks even on the list. Huh? What's the uh, Gospel Track Planet? I should I should look to see if you're even on that list. Oh, Why that would not? be bad. What if you're not even on the list? Then all How of a sudden you? they would go up in value. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm there, I'll see his tracks. I don't see any comparison thing, but at any rate. Yeah, I will. Let me let me see. Okay, here I will get you the. Uh, uh, how do I how do I get the link? Well, here's here's the. I'll put the link in the chat here, and I'll put it in the. Uh, you only have a, we only have a couple hours to vote against me. It was really funny. Phil Johnson said that he um, he voted for me. I said, "Good, I voted for you." <laughs> So it's uh, Jeff Durbin versus uh, Chalice. I, I like this one. Costi Hinn versus Benny Hinn. <laughs> I can't wait to ah. see the result of that one. I think Costi's going to win. Uh, James White versus uh, uh, Craig. Friel versus Platt. Lawson versus Olstein. Yeah, Lawson wins there. Um, DeYoung versus Packer. Ferguson versus Ray Comfort. Copeland versus MacArthur. So that's the... That's the first half. 
And then Paul Washer versus Stephen Furtick. Matt Chandler versus Mark Dever. Francis Chan. We talked about Francis Chan in the Philippines. We could get to him. Uh, Chan versus Speaky. Um, and let me turn his volume down. Um, and then we had, let's see, uh, Alistair Begg versus Ravi Zacharias. Vody Bakum versus Bill Johnson. Yeah, Vody wins there. Justin Peters made it. He's going up against Frank Turk in round one. Uh, me versus uh, Phil Johnson and Al Moeller versus John Piper. You know, I uh, suddenly I like Gospel Track Planet even more because you didn't make it to the list, Matt. Okay, someone has only only we probably heard that someone's TV or whatever that was. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, but yeah, the, it was it was good being in the Philippines. Good to be able to. Uh, meet some of our our listeners and be able to see them face face take some photos with them that was encouraging um i'm gonna i'm gonna try to get the video of me having the balut just so you could see uh it's disgusting you didn't explain what it is okay all right i'll explain what it is and and so justin peters had the same face that you had so what balut Uh, is is they take a duck egg a fertilized duck egg and they (laughs) I'm gonna. You I've sure you want me to do I this? Got an stomach. I'm gonna actually <laughs> move my mic away. I'm gonna. You tell me when you're ready. I I'll give you a thumbs uh, up. Can, the best part is Matt can't handle it. <laughs> okay, you take a fertilized duck egg, you let it grow a little bit, and then they boil it. So, depending on the stage of development, uh, you have different stages, and you will get the duck having. Um, well, sometimes it'll be pretty well developed so that would be something you can uh you can look at <laughs> all right so we'll give matt the thumbs up <laughs> we're done matt <laughs> it's safe to come back uh, <laughs> yeah oh, we'll get that go, video yeah. from matt all right <laughs> he squirmed sound went dead oh matt there we go all right oh was i mute oh did you someone muted me Dodge is wackos in here. Oh, okay. Well, and we're just gonna. People are not allowed to come in here and mute the hosts. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Kat, let me let me add you in and ask you because I don't know when. Uh, let's see when when was I muted? How did I explain what a balut is? Uh, it's. I heard something something stage of the duck, and then that was it. So maybe just start over again. Ah. Oh. Poor Matt. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so basically what it is, is you, you take a fertilized duck egg, you let it grow quite a bit, and you at different stages, you can then eat the duck egg. They, they boil it, so it becomes a hard-boiled egg. It's a very sweet-tasting egg is really what it is. And um, But uh, that's basically what it is, and depending on the age of of development you either get it with the beak and and all its intestines or you just get it where it's just a little brown piece of something in an egg so we'll give matt a thumbs up um (laughs) okay (laughs) i just i enjoyed it it tasted good so didn't enjoy the pig's blood that i ate but i ate anything that they put in front of me basically but uh so but it was a good it was a good conference matt we uh we definitely got to see a lot of people who were very um who were learning a lot and um one of the things that was unexpected 
we were down in the Cebu, which is, um, there were two, two con- we did two discernment conferences. And the one in Cebu was very interesting because what I didn't realize as we were going through the Q&A was there were three rows of female pastors all like right to my right. And a question that came up because both Justin and I had dealt with the role of women as pastors and why we feel that it's wrong. And what was why very... the Bible says it's wrong. Yeah, why the Bible says it's wrong. Um, okay. Let me just... We got someone who is right now. It's Dwight who's blocking. Yeah, we're just going to eject him. So obviously, the trolls are here um, in full force, um, blocking us and muting. They're very, they're very uh, adults. Like yeah, they're just they're childish little babies. That's yeah. all. You know, all it does. They should know that all it does is just vindicate us. Uh, they probably get you know get their kicks from it and they think it's funny, but what they don't realize what it does to, at least to me, I can tell you what it does to me, but I don't know about you, but it actually encourages. Yep. And, and they're, they're in and muting and. Oh so. yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that what it does for it, it, uh, it, it helps encourage me to work harder against, uh, you know, yeah. wackos and, and losers. That's just way I'm put together. You know, you know what's funny though, Matt, is I noticed that the time that we get the trolls in the most is when you and I talk about things like Word of Faith. Which yeah, is kind Word of, of faith interesting. And uh, expansion of the gospel, your missionary preaching, your teaching in, in uh, the Philippines, there's obviously a spiritual battle going on, and the enemy has his servants, and they listen to uh, the cry and, and the whining of the. Uh, the the false uh, spiritual side and and they they serve it and they come in and do things like this that they think are fun when it's nothing but foolishness immaturity and and uh, malicious intent and I would say this is the proof that they know God exists because th- these guys that say they're atheists and would argue that they know God doesn't exist they would not if they really believed it they wouldn't waste their time coming into Christian groups just to cause distraction. They, they wouldn't do it. You yeah. Know? Well, so, you know, it's just me. I, I moved a great deal. And, uh, you know, 26 times before I was 12, I was a very skinny kid. And so I grew up with the mentality of bullies everywhere. I learned to resist them. And um, I learned to, to fight against them emotionally, mentally, and uh, then later physically, but uh, or ca- the capability of physically. But the thing is that, you know, I carry that over to now. They're, they're, they behave like that. They, yeah. behave, they behave like bullies. And, it what it causes me to do is just go okay, I'll just work all the harder. Yeah, what it causes me to do. So we had so so picture the scene, Matt. We I didn't realize at the time that there were all these three rows of female pastors, and <laughs> the question came up because Justin and I dealt with what the Bible says about this topic, and the question was, you know, if we're in a church where a female pastor, how do we transition to a male pastor, and if no men step up what do we do and so it was my turn to answer first so i came in and basically i just uh was you know my my first okay we're just gonna keep tossing people i mean they're just it just gets annoying but um just someone just muted came in and muted so basically what we end up seeing is that Oh, wait, I think I muted you accidentally. Yeah, I'm trying to, okay. to help. Yeah, sir, go ahead. All right. Um, are we on? 
Yeah. I was trying to figure out who muted me that time. So, yeah, so it was me. I, was trying to, I didn't know it was you. I saw, saw the, the video thing. But we're getting we're getting trolls in the uh, the watching feed too. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So so it was you know I just had a quick answer you know I wanted I it was my turn to answer first so <laughs> I just said you know what do you do to transition from a female pastor to a male pastor fire the female pastor mm-hmm. if no men step up close the church and there was like cheering from everywhere except for this one section in the right <laughs> where they all went ooh <laughs> i guess i was a little bit too too strong on that <laughs> yeah i've said something similar on the radio and people have asked what do you do and i say the women need to step down and um uh and if the men don't do anything then they just need to sit and do nothing and if the church doesn't work it doesn't work it, it fails because the men are failing to do their jobs and that's what it is yeah that is what it is. They were not. There were some who weren't happy. Um, one of the guys didn't like that I um, I mentioned him by name. Uh, here was his quote that he said, Matt. He said that, and now I'm going to paraphrase. So I don't have the quote directly in front of me, but he said that some people say that the love of money is the root of all evil. But I say to you that the lack of money is the root of all evil. If you want proof. Try not having money, and the devil will come out in your wife. So let me ask you first, did he quote the verse properly? No. What is the verse? I forgot the verse address, but it's the, the, the love of money. It's the root of all evil. All kinds of evil, right? Yeah. But his argument is that the lack of money, as he sits with a picture of his Lamborghini. <laughs> so, you know... That, that's what we end up seeing from, you know, is these guys are out there trying to get money for themselves, you know. And who said that? It was... Uh, this was the, this it was the quote-unquote pastor of G12. G12 is a church that wants to take dominance over the government. That's what the G is for. They're going to take, they're going to take dominion. Uh, it's a NAR type church. I know, but what's the name of the pastor who said that? Uh, I got to look up his name again. I have it in my notes. I've heard that quote recently, and I just forgot who it was. Yeah, but yeah, it's a heresy. It's uh, and notice notice what happened: uh, um, the lack of money. So it's a, it's an alteration of the word of God, and then the development of doctrine based on experience. And it's a complete submission of the word of God to the person's preferences. Uh, the elders, what we should see at this point uh, while he's preaching and teaching that message, what we should see are the horizontal flying uh, of the elders as they have launched themselves in the knee tackle position to shut him up and then drag him by his ankles off the, the stage so that uh, he, he doesn't say anymore. Uh, profound heresy but the elders didn't do their job either well because they they unfortunately end up agreeing with them because it was one of the elders i think that was upset with me <laughs> so this was in the philippines yeah this was in the philippines this is and um we actually had justin had one of the guys he mentioned and this is probably really going to get you spun up but oh boy um, here we go joey joey bonifacio is a one of the preachers down there, and he has been promoting building bridges. And so his good friend that they've been friends for. Well, we're going to see what that is. 
physical bridges? No, he wants to build bridges with Catholics. And so his good friend and who he calls a oh, leader. Man, a spirit- I'm going to have to go to the Philippines. <laughs> oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, he yeah, is yeah, friends with uh, Bo Sanchez. And all Justin did was quote the guy. And his son, David, was very unhappy with that. Uh, said that, ju- that all Justin did was quote him. And he was saying that he was mis. You know, he was slandering him. He was doing a character assassination. Uh, his brother Joseph jumped in, and, and I said to his brother Joseph, "If quoting your father is slander, then you got a very low view of your father." Yeah, right. Because it's your father's words. Um, so let me ask you this, because I, I I'll do, talk about this with Justin on the on the Rap Report podcast. Is it okay to call out? public ministries is it because the thing that we kept hearing was we did you go to them privately so do we need to go to people privately about things they say in public before saying anything that's a good question um i think the bible doesn't say about that particular thing so it's a little bit debatable but i think it's a good idea to try and contact them first just so you can say hey i try to contact them and then go just for that that reason people can't have that complaint but if they're going to say something publicly then I think it's game for a public rebuke. But um, I like the idea of going to them privately. It's like Joyce Meyer. She has said some things publicly in her writings as, and uh, videos that are heretical. We tried to contact her, and uh, we have it all documented and and no response. Uh, so, okay, we tried. And so we went forward so that um, complaint can't be leveled against us. And that's exactly what Jess and I did. We actually tried before we started any of the conferences – we wanted to have a get-together with these false teachers before we got there, or as soon as we got there. And it was interesting because I had said that we did that, and one guy actually posted, this was a beautiful thing, is he posted the picture of the message that he received from some, one of the local people there saying, you know, we'd like to get together. Justin Peters, Andrew Epper are coming in town. They're going to do a discernment conference. They'd like to get together with you. And he wanted more information, and they were, and he said, "Well, let's get together and discuss it." And the person never showed up, and so he says, "Well, see, you, you know, you didn't invite us. Well, yeah, you got the invitation, you had the date, the time, but you wanted more requirements to it, and and that didn't happen. That doesn't mean you weren't invited, <laughs> right? You know, and and to be fair, I mean, it. We don't know all of the people how to come. I mean, a lot of these." Word of Faith guys have a lot of people between them. You go to a website and you're not going to get a hold of a, a Benny Hinn, you know? Yeah, but, you know, you can only do what you can do. I mean, you can say, look, we we went through the process that they provided. So that's what we did. And, we, you know, there was nothing that came back. What are we going to do? Drive down there and and uh, sneak in, in in the after hours and wait in a closet. And then when they walk by, jump out. And, you know, what are you going to do? I would love to see. I just you're describing that, picturing you like sitting in like Betty in, in a Betty in revival, like sneaking underneath the like underneath the stage or something, waiting to pop out. Yeah, I would, and then you can see his weird hair straighten. <laughs> that would be good, but but. You know, we do. You and I both know someone that did do something similar to that. Didn't wait night. Yeah. But why don't you yeah. tell that story? You mean what Justin did? Yeah. He, I, you know, he's told the story every time, and you know how he went up to was it Todd was Bentley? It? Todd Bentley. That's right. So you know the story. You know it better than I do. 
when he went up there and just what his crutches yep um or, and uh tried to get a healing and i you know i no, didn't he, work so we, yeah <laughs> he walked up to hi, behind him literally walked on stage and it's it's not like justin with crutches is gonna well, 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 get you're there gonna, quickly you're back up there might be people who don't know who justin peter is that's true or, or what okay. his condition is all right you're right got a very good point so that's justin true. peters has cerebral palsy which means he can't walk very far he walks on crutches he usually is in a, a motorized scooter and he found out that Todd Bentley was doing a live stream in his area, and he had realized it was going to be the next night, and it was in being aired in 20-some countries. And so Justin thought, wouldn't this be good if we got the true gospel message to be proclaimed on the airwaves there? So he walks up, and, and this is the irony, is he, it's not like he can walk quickly. He got all the way, and there's a, a short video on YouTube where you see him when he's just behind Todd Bentley, and he just turns to him and says, you know, Todd Bentley's like, oh, we'll pray for you, thinking he's up there for a healing, and he goes, uh-huh. he, and, and Justin just says, I have a word, and you know very well, Matt, so what, what is that when people say I have a word in, the, in the, those charismatic circles, what does that usually mean? It means the Lord's telling him something to tell you. It's from God, yeah. <laughs> and so, what did he do? He he basically quoted Matthew seven twenty one to twenty three, referring to Todd Bentley as someone who's going to hear the Lord say, "I never knew you depart from me. You practice lawlessness." Uh-huh. And and Bentley, I mean, first off, I love when Justin explains because he goes, you know, he'll be like, you know, this guy says he has you know knowledge from God, and yet he didn't know what was about to happen. <laughs> And, and the guy, he, Matt, uh, Justin yeah, always goes. Why didn't he know? He should have known. He, yeah. And Justin goes, and the knucklehead gives me the microphone. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so Todd Bentley says, who's the man? And, and Justin goes, you are. <laughs> and then he's, he starts preaching the gospel as they usher him out. And when well, you heard that story, you decided that Justin Peters is who? I called him Batman. <laughs> And hence the reason he is Batman. Batman. Yeah, he liked that. That was that was awesome. It was. He's he is one of the boldest people I know, and the humblest at the same time. Yeah, he is. He's a great guy. He is. Yeah, yeah. How how was how did he get around? Okay, I mean, did he get around okay in the Philippines? Not a problem. It was it was a little bit hard actually because we were in a van where basically the only way we could get him in, I had to go in the van and pick him up from his shoulders while someone else picked his legs up. It was the only way we could get him into the van. Uh, And then we were picking his scooter up and having to put that into the back of the van. So my back was hurting um, by the end of that trip. And, uh, but then we, we, you know, we're good in most of the places we went to on Sunday, we went to two different churches. He went to the church with the elevator. (laughs) that that makes sense yeah so i went to the church that was an hour and a half two hours away um and uh had four flights of stairs and that's how it should be yeah so but it was it was it really was good uh the food was good i know you wouldn't have liked it but i enjoyed it no thanks but uh uh yeah when i went to the philippines you know we had we didn't have it as good as you in a lot of ways, but, um, you know, ships and and uh, sleeping in some odd things. Once we had to sleep in on a – I remember our, our mattress was an eighth of an inch thick, and underneath us was uh, a bunch of chickens underneath the, the shed we were, where we were. We had to put mosquito netting up 
And then to go out in the bathroom, you had to go to the bathroom, you had to get off the mosquito netting and go out into an outhouse. And they warned us, don't sit down without checking what you're sitting on because creatures would get in there. And uh, so that was the worst situation that we had. But we also stayed at a nice hotel too. But, um, uh, you know, it was great. But the food was fine. But they don't know, a lot of people don't know that uh, what you mentioned earlier, why, you know, the noise, um, that's where, that's the only place, the only time I've, I've ever had a, a, a severe, and it was a severe panic attack in my entire life. And it was, well, I was stuck in a van and uh, the driver, well, I was right behind the driver and he was honking the horn, had his Filipino whatever music on there was a guy to my right talking to a guy up front a conversation two guys behind me and uh, I was getting overloaded because I have um, an, aut- uh, an auditory problem uh, with too much uh, noise it's just what it is and uh, I overloaded and um, panicked and uh, they had to stop the van and and it took about 20 minutes for me to recover so I went into shock. So that's why you're making that. Was that when you were in the, because you you did something I didn't do, is you got to ride in a jeepney. Well, those are fun. Jeepneys were fun. And we also went out to, oh man, we went out to some place. There's no electricity. There was no running water. uh, There was no air conditioning, no heat, the whole bit. And it was like an orphanage. And, um, they they just gave us their food basically, and we left them a lot of money uh, for that. And they gave us these fish that they'd caught, uh, and there weren't much to them tilapia, but these were small tilapia. Mm-hmm. Then we went to uh, another place. We rode uh, on little scooters, and they had to have guides take us up. And we went up into the hill side, hill country, and there were. Um, it was really interesting. I mean, the chapel was uh, four posts and a single wall with a, a cover. And uh, that was the chapel. And it was maybe 12 by 12 kind of a thing. And there were these village huts. And you could see through them uh, because the, the things they used to build them weren't always that good. And uh, we were sitting and you know, trying to have a Bible study and kind of a teaching time. And this woman comes in from the, from the village and she's got a, a baby next to her and she just takes off her off her top and starts breastfeeding right there okay whatever but uh it was just a different environment and the men were all gone because they were on a long trip trying to get some hold on matt you you were muted by oh i almost ejected you You unmute yourself we just had to eject another Another very yeah, loser wacko. Uh, they're, they're, so, they're so tolerant, man, aren't they? Yeah, they're, oh, they're, yeah, they're hypocritical. So, um, what island were you on when you went to the Philippines? We were in the, the bottom third or the bottom quarter. Oh, uh, so that's the, that's the area Island. that has more Muslims. Yes. We, were, we were in the Catholic area in Manila and Cebu. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, I don't know what's the last thing you heard me say because we're talking about the church and the yeah, size you, of the church. You, you only the last five seconds you were mentioning the church and you could see through it. Yeah, and then what was interesting was while we we're trying to have a discussion about the Lord and things, uh, it was just a culture difference. Uh, this woman comes up, she's got a nice baby, and there's ringworm and and they have health problems, and she just uh, drops her top and starts breastfeeding uh, like it was just normal. And uh, so we're trying to have a study. Yeah, it was no big deal. But it, it just the, the difference of, of culture 
and how they were. But I will say this. I remember this. and you, I'm sure you experienced the same thing. The warmth, the friendliness from the people. Uh, it was great, you know. Uh, hold on, Matt. He muted you again. Bill Gates was muted you on Carm videos. So they what? They just come in to this room? The, and do yeah, it? this is like the seventh, the seventh one I ejected. So they're, what they're doing? It's probably one person who's going, creating a new account, yeah. coming in. It's it's always named Bill Gates or something and Black Charger and yeah, they're very mature. Yeah. Yeah. He's coming into the Discord server. I'm kind of juggling three different pages with them. Yeah. yeah. Children. You know, and, and okay, so let's let's discuss this. I mean, um, well, actually, I don't know if Kat, uh, you have any questions tonight? Well, I was just going to ask about a topic that a, a lot of people are asking, but I'm seeing that there's a Christopher in here, and I don't know if he's here with a legitimate question or not, so I would love for you him mean to yours ask. Is, yours is not legitimate, you're saying? Well, no, I mean, <laughs> mine's legitimate, but I don't know Christopher, and I'm hoping he's not a troll, but so far, so good. Yeah, he's so. been in here pretty long, so I added Christopher, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, Christopher, if you have any questions, you can unmute yourself. I've turned up your volume. All right, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a troll, actually. No, I'm you've been here. You, you've been here before. I recognize yep. you. Yep. Yeah. Now I remember looking at your picture. So, what's your question for us tonight? Uh, my question is in regards to um, the Noahic covenant, like that was in the first few verses of Genesis chapter nine. Um, I know that some covenants have already been fulfilled in Christ, but I want, but there's like a detail in the Noahic covenant. I want, I want to know if it's still. Or if it was just fulfilled in Christ, um, I think it's in Genesis nine five when it talks about like um, um, if someone basically shed, shed up, if a person shed someone else's blood, then um, basically capital punishments or something to that effect. You're awfully yeah. to me. It's, it's, yeah, I think there's like it sounds like you have a fan on behind your son that's oh. making it really it's really hard to hear you. Something just got better, so. Try that okay, again. Sorry about that. Okay. And it's okay. overmodulated too. Yeah. You're overmodulated. You got to turn your volume down. Oh really? Okay. I will try that. Okay. How about that? A little bit better, but turn it down some more. Okay. Okay. How about now? A little bit better. Okay. Uh, this is the most I can go without meeting my without accidentally meeting myself. Okay. Uh, okay. My question is in regards to Genesis chapter nine verse five and whether or not it's applicable for today. Genesis nine five. Surely I will require your lifeblood from every beast. I will require it, and from every man, from the every man's brother, I will require life uh, of man. Whoever sheds men's blood by men's blood shall be shed the covenant of the rainbow uh the old covenant was ab- i gotta get rid of a cat here the old covenant was abrogated um if you go to hebrews eight thirteen and hebrews nine fifteen through 16 um you'll see that uh the old covenant with its stipulations and things like that are no longer in effect you don't have to to worry about them that's a long that's a short version Okay, now does that include the capital punishment thing in that verse then? Well, 
Maybe, except that capital punishment seems to be um, promoted in uh, Genesis. I mean, in Romans, uh, Romans thirteen. Sorry. That's what I was wondering too. I, I I wasn't sure if there was a connection between Genesis nine five and Romans thirteen, like the first couple of verses in that chapter. Well, you know, the, the idea of the government having the right of, of execution is still there, and it was reiterated in the New Testament, but the Noahic stuff, uh, I had to do a, a deeper study on it, And uh, but I think Andrew might know a little bit more about it coming from a Jewish background, but the Noahic stuff falls underneath the Old Testament covenant system, which was abrogated Hebrews 8, Hebrews 9, so you don't have to worry about those things, um, and that's a general statement. I'd like to, to study that more to see what's going on with it, but that, that's how I would respond to it initially. Oh, yeah, sounds good. I do have another question, if you guys have time. Sure. sure. Okay. It's actually kind of in relation to, like, the building bridges thing that Andrew mentioned earlier on in the, in the video chat. Mm-hmm. Um, there, have been some, there have been some Christians that have been um, trying to promote um, bridges with, between evangelicals and Catholics that I know of, and when I brought up Scripture, when I brought up, um, scripture in regards to what Rome teaches and um, claims of the false gospel and stuff like that, um, they tend to want to um, not think about that too much. Um, any, any suggestions in regards to how I can um, bring the truth of um, Romney and the gospel to these professing, to these Christians? You mean, what do you say to those who want to uh, unite with the Roman Catholics in various issues? Uh, yeah, and even with, like joint ministry endeavors, like say like, um, like movies, movie scripts, those kind of things. I, I, I'm sorry, movie scripts. I thought it was joining with Catholics, now all of a sudden movie scripts, so I didn't quite um, get the connection. That, You're that would be the means of joining. For me, so. uh, that would be the means of joining, of joining with Catholics. Um, a Catholic and evangelical writing a movie together on like spiritual stuff. Well, you know, this is, it could be, it's a difficult thing. Um, can you work with an atheist? Can you work with a, a Mormon? Well, depending on the certain context. Now, you're talking about spiritual things. Uh, me, I probably would not be able to work with a, a Roman Catholic on spiritual things because a Roman Catholic probably isn't saved. You know, uh, so, you know, as the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be bound together with unbelievers. Uh, for what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? What fellowship is light with darkness? So Second uh, Corinthians six fourteen talks about this that we've got to be careful of where we uh, draw unions. So that's true. I've actually I've actually I brought up that very that Second Corinthians passage too with the guy that with the guy, but he seemed but he claims that doesn't apply to um, the movie script situation. Well. You know, it is kind of a gray area because, um, you know, what if I wrote a novel and they wanted to uh, turn it into a movie? Uh, would I be able to work with the unbelievers on set, for example, about the promotion of the movie? You know, what do you do? You go, ah, it's a situation. And so, you know, you got to think about things. And, and, and I would say weigh each situation on its own, its own merit and according to the conscience of the individual. Okay, that's fair. Well, what like the topics on like abortion or whatnot? Because I know um, there are pro-life Roman Catholics that um, would agree that's on the abortion issue, and they, if they wanted to do a joint movie on like being anti-abortion, would that be a violation of Second Corinthians um, six fourteen to eighteen? Well, understanding what Second uh, Corinthians six fourteen means is another issue. What does it mean to be bound with an unbeliever? 
what, what does that mean? You know? So, uh, I don't know. Uh, we have to look. I mean, I do to some degree, but it's. Hold on, man. I got to take care of, um, it's something we'd have to look at and, uh, and expound on and then apply the principles out of that pericope to individual situations. I try not to just say, uh, okay, all of it's wrong, all of it's good, all of it's bad, but, uh, to try and, and work uh, things according to uh, according to wisdom, fairness, and and, uh, and sometimes situations can well make things difficult. Let's just say <laughs> to in, to deal with certain applications of scripture. <clears throat> okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, aside from Second Corinthians six, I know it's a common passage to to use. Are there any other passages like in the Old Testament that would be um, good use without taking them out of context in regards to not being unequally to unbelievers? You know, I've got to tell you, I'm having he's, a little he, Yeah, he's asking, are there any other passages other than the uh, being unequally yoked? Oh, similar passages like that. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know. Uh, but we do have that pericope, Second Corinthians six fourteen and eight through eighteen, as you said. Uh, I could look. What I could do, just look um, on and, the. And while you look that up, let me just say this for you, Christopher: is you know some people, will, a lot of people apply that only to marriage, that a believer shouldn't get married to an unbeliever. But when you look at it, it talks about partnership, which if you're doing a book together or a movie script or whichever like that you have a partnership if if you're having a partnership and it's going to be a movie about i don't know uh going to college maybe it's not a big deal but when you say that it's a book about spiritual issues yeah now you have two you have now you have a partnership on something that's both light and darkness now the partnership is dealing with the issues that you have a difference on and so if you have and this is the whole thing that why we had an issue with uh joey uh bonifacio's relationship with Bo sanchez there in the philippines is because it's light and darkness oh these he claims to be light the only way he that joey bonifacio is not in violation of that is if he's not a believer because there's no way the Roman Catholic teaching Roman Catholic doctrine can be a believer. And so, therefore, when they work together on spiritual matters, that's why Justin and I had the issues with it, because he's promoting a Roman Catholic, teaching Roman Catholic doctrine, and saying this is, you know, this is a good thing to do. Yeah, can't do that. You cannot promote the lies and the heresies of the Roman Catholic Church. And you've got to be very careful to not join with them in a, and thereby accidentally promote them. It's, you know, I, agree, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I strongly agree with you there. It's just um, one of the frustrating things that I deal with is that there's a, there's a Christian guy that I know who runs his own uh, video ministry, and whenever I brought up the Roman Catholic issue, he doesn't really um, think it's that big of a deal. Well, here's have, them, have them call the radio show or come in and talk in here, and we can just slowly list out things and, and show them what the problems are with Catholicism. The concern I would have is after a long period of time, if he's if it, if he's showing no concern over that, and he wants to keep working with a Roman Catholic on spiritual matters, I would start to question his salvation because the only way the Holy Spirit, if he's in dwell with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's not going to let that continue. 
you know, unless he's not a believer. So that, I mean, over a long period of time, you got to start to question that with him. You know? Okay, that's definitely a fair point. I mean, at least to the best of my knowledge, I think he's a believer. I mean, he's we've t- he and I have talked about the gospel several times, and he seems to know it inside and out. Okay. You know, might be the, just not familiar with the uh, deeper heresies of the Roman Catholic Church. I'm not sure if that's the case either, or maybe he may, um, basically several years ago he and I went through a book. I'm not sure if you ever heard of the book book called um, The Gospel According to Rome by James oh, McCarthy. It is an awesome book. Awesome. I have it. Very good. That's what that's the book that God used to open my eyes to evangelize Roman Catholics. Good. Yeah, that is really yeah. a good book. It yeah. really is. Yeah. yeah. He and I went through the book together and basically um I came to the conviction that Roman Catholics need to be evangelized, and his, his conviction was, I mean, treat kind of like how we would deal with Adiaphor issues, basically. Adiaphor is not the issue we have to worry about. We're told not to worry about Adiaphor. We're told to, told to uh, worry about the, the essentials, and the Roman Catholic Church denies the, uh, at least one essential, justification by faith alone and Christ alone, and promotes idolatry. Those are the two major things, and it promotes a, a form of idolatry in uh, the Eucharist. Uh, in its uh, its false teachings, so it's got some serious problems. Obviously. I agree. You know, and and seriously, if he, like I said, if he's not concerned about it, if, you know, anyone who is not concerned with a, where a lost person is going to spend eternity, y- you have to wonder if they're saved themselves. Because right. <clears throat> as a believer, you're going to be concerned about that. So if it has been going on for a long time, you you may want to start evangelizing him. Okay. All right. Thank you. I I appreciate the feedback. Um, I will definitely um, talk to him about it and go from there. All right. Well, thanks for coming in. If you, You're welcome. All right. So, Kat, you had some questions, and I should announce that Eli is in here. So, welcome, Eli. He's waving. Hey. That that works very well for those who can't see you. Good. Like, Just wave. Like Just wave. It works there. great for radio. Yeah, they can feel the presence of my wave. <laughs> I see. So, so, what's up, big man? Well, what cat had a had a question? Let's. Uh, oh, cat had questions. Yeah. Okay. It was just going to be like an opening. Well, I was just going to ask you, and you can decide to address it or not, or whatever. But a lot of things that I'm seeing come up right now against anti even theists, just anti Christian, is um, in the Bible right now. It's a going theme to argue about how God condones rape. And I was just going to ask if you guys wanted to speak to that and, you know, what exactly does it say biblically, especially in the Old Testament for anybody who is listening. And, of course, I'll always glean a bunch from you guys. But Where does it say that God condones rape? Well, I don't know. I've yeah. never heard them give me anything so, legitimate. But they keep saying because it's allowed and it happens and God doesn't, like, come down and smite everybody who's done it. And, well, you know, wait a minute. What about those who lie about God, like the atheists and the complainers who raise issues like this? Should God come down and smite them as well? Well, of course. You want my opinion? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, when people raise these kind of questions, uh, you know, like I've had this raised to me, you know, they'll say, well, why does God condone rape? I say, give me the verse. Show me the verse where he condones it. And uh, there's no verse that condones rape. But what they generally are saying, well, then the, why does the girl have to marry the rapist? That's condoning rape. I said, that's not condoning rape. Because yeah, that was. To the action. What, that's, is that what he brought up, too? 
But yeah, people are, and, and it's not just one person. That's why I was going to ask and, and see if I can get your opinion, because then that, that means that the victim has to be stuck with him and it's horrible, and, which, you know, I can't imagine yeah, but, what it'd be like to be stuck like that. But, but there's, there's a cultural thing that they, people are absolutely unfamiliar with. And what they are do, doing is committing what's called ethnocentricity. They're judging another culture by their own culture, by their own standards. That's what ethnocentricity is. And not to say that, that rape is good. I'm not saying that. Um, you know, here in our culture, we, a rapist should be punished and he should be jailed. And I think a few other things need to be done. But nevertheless, what about that culture? Uh, what do you do with uh, uh, in that culture, which is basically agrarian? You don't have Internet. You don't have a p- police patrol. You don't have prisons. Uh, what do you do for punishment? Are you going to lock them up? Because if you lock them up into a room, which they didn't have, they didn't do that kind of a thing. That's more of a Western civilization kind of an invention, more or less. But, you know, they didn't do that in the Jewish culture. They did in the Roman culture. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, uh, you make the Bible says that they pay for if they steal, they pay four times what they stole, and there's restitution that has to happen because when a, a, a crime is committed, restitution is the issue, not just simply isolation. And so, restitution here, in the in the the sense of a woman being raped, is it doesn't only. I, I would suspect also that the the it's not in scripture, but I would suspect that the. Um, relatives of the woman would go have a discussion with the guy behind the tool shed, if you get my drift and uh, stuff. But at any rate, so a woman who was deflowered, whether by choice or by force, was then considered, right or wrong, damaged goods in that culture. Men wanted to marry virgins. It was extremely important. Now, a, a widow, that was socially acceptable to marry a widow who didn't have any children or whatever. But uh, a young maiden, uh, you had to marry a, a virgin because it was a symbol of purity before God, before the culture, society, uh, your acceptability to marry a virgin. She had to be pure. She was not a harlot. She was not uh, a bad woman because uh, the 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 woman was extremely now uh, the word valuable is is a is a wrong way because it looks like so as though she's an object but there was a sense in which women were valued in a very great way and uh, as the soil in, into which the seed was planted because the seed was what gave life they were just the the soil not they didn't understand genetics, and so uh, th- who she was, what she was, was was very, very, very important. All right, so if she's raped, she's deflowered, she's damaged goods. But in a society, well, sorry, you're raped. You know, did you cry it enough? Did you do this enough? Well, okay, there you go. So what they did was they said uh, she probably will not be able to be married, not because she, no one would marry her or, or uh, as a capability, but who'd want to marry her? Look what happened to her. She is, you know, she's been raped. Why do we want to get near her? Right or wrong, that was, that's what I remember hearing. That is uh, largely the, the, uh, the cultural uh, situation. So the restitution, um, Saturday, Ben. All right. So the restitution was to marry her and become responsible for her in this situation. And he could not divorce her. He could not send her away. And that was one of the restrictions that was removed or the, the rights was removed from him 
And so he was stuck as an obligation to take care of her. And society would know about this with him and that he was responsible for her. And they were more sympathetic to her in the situation than to him. Now, right or wrong, that was what would happen. And that's why it was talking about marrying the rapist, because uh, who else would? And then she might become destitute. Who's going to take care of her? Because she had to have a man and a family to take. That's how it was in an agrarian society where you didn't have running water when you just flip a tap and you, you know, called 911 and things are fine, so to speak. So there's no place where it says that, uh, um, well, Matt, all right, let me ask you a question with the culture. Did people choose who they married? Did they marry for love? Uh, rarely. Uh, they did, you know, but um, it mainly was for or by prearranged marriages uh, with a family. Families would get together and my daughter with your son or vice versa and dowries were given contracts were were made and if uh, one of the other parties broke the con contractual agreement there could be penalties and uh, sometimes the penalties could uh could be severe in some areas of financial severity uh public shame uh it was basically a scandal to to kind of break that covenant bound of commitment that the family had made uh, there are exceptions, of course, but it, it was really a very serious thing, and uh, so you didn't marry mostly for love. Which is, and the reason I bring that up is because the main part of the argument is a misunderstanding of the culture. They want to, as you mentioned, they want to apply a culture where we get to choose marriage. That wasn't the culture. Parents chose the marriage. You didn't have a choice. You didn't get to choose right. who you married. Your parents arranged it. You might not get along. You had to learn to love one another. You, you had to, so, so when we look at what Paul says, that wives are to submit their husbands and their husbands are to love their wives like Christ loves the church, this is in a culture where they don't get to set up their own marriage. It's just this is expected yeah. that you're and, going and to work this out. You and you know your marriage with Yim was obviously arranged because she wouldn't have picked you on her own. <laughs> that I would, I, would, I would agree with if I could have said that it actually was. <laughs> Yeah, but I, you know the the only place where you see it mentioned that rape is in what's called the evil Bible, um, which is basically where they completely misrepresent the scriptures. Um, yeah. So you know it's not you know they're they're breaking one of the one of the essential rules of of hermeneutics, which is the how you interpret the Bible. We look at the context. This is dealing with the cultural context. Okay. And so what we what we end up having is the fact oh he's so bold this little child and you're gone again. All right. I wonder if he what if his diapers are filled. Yeah. I know. So so the reality is whoever the troll is that's doing it here's the here's the simple thing that you're displaying for everybody. You have no argument. And you know it. I mean, you're such a coward that you can't even come in here and attempt to to debate the topics because you know you're you're bad. Now, there's someone in the in the chat that keeps telling us to debate Jay Dyer. Um, well, Mark, um, this is an open hangout. You can have Jay join us. Yeah, we could discuss it. Whatever you want to have the debate on, come yeah. on in. Um, if you want to have a formal debate, have Jay contact me. Go to strivingfraternity.org, contact me, 
and we'll set up a formal debate. I should let folks know, if you want to join the Hangout, just go to apologeticslive.org, and that there's where the link is to join. There was someone who, I was waiting for him to come in, Matt. He, he didn't come in. I'm trying to look up his name now again. Uh, Hoyt. So Hoyt, Hoyt is a very happy man, and he, he just said, I'm gay. Can I come in here? I said, sure. We like happy people. So... Um, why is Eli laughing at that? <laughs> so, so uh, folks, if you want to come on in, just come in. You can go to apologeticslive.com and, uh, and join in. So, Eli, you're, you're mentioning a book um, with, and I think this is in reference to Kat's question on, on basically some ways to navigate conversations, a book I highly recommend. Why don't you talk about it? Yeah, you have to unmute oh, yourself. Yeah. The, the, the troll unmuted you. There you go. Can you hear me now? Yes. Now we hear you. Yeah, Kat, Kat wrote in the text here, I can't phrase a response as well as you guys. And uh, that just made me think, um, yes, you can. <laughs> if you practice how to navigate conversations, you're able to ask key questions and be able to place yourself in a position to identify weaknesses. And the book Tactics is great because it helps you stay in control of a conversation without being in um, a situation of risk. It's a very, it's a, the book teaches you how to stay safe in conversation while at the same time also asking key questions to bring about, uh, to bring to the forefront possible weaknesses in another person's position. Um, so that's a, that's a really great, um, uh, well, like it's a really great tactic. The book tactics teaches you a whole host of things. So Eli, how did you come to that conclusion? Um, well, well, I heard, I see what you're doing there, but I heard about the book and when I, when I, what I loved about it was it used so many practical, here's the thing, when you talk about apologetics and evangelism and, and all this other kind of stuff, when we talk about the theory of it all, it can be very complicated, but people who are, who are listening to stuff like this or podcasts or debates, they really want to know like, well, well, how do I do this with my neighbor? What does this look like in real life? And I think a book like tactics helps kind of um, give us a picture of what that might look like and gives us tools as to not what to say necessarily, but it provides us a way of how we should think and, and there's reasons why we ask certain questions uh, that we ask in conversation. So I think it's very helpful in that regard. Eli, how do you know, how do you know that to be true? Up. I'm sorry? Eli, how do you know that to be true? How do I know what to be true? What you just said. You see, you see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm actually doing is going through some of the tactics that they give you. The book is written by Greg Kokel and an excellent book. And it will ask you, it will teach you how to ask some basic questions, helps you navigate conversations. And I just gave Eli two of the ones that he calls his Columbo tactic, which is asking questions to get information to basically see where someone's at. So how do you know that to be true is a way of trying to feed, they, they make a statement. Rape is the, the Bible condones rape. How do you know that to be true? Right. You see, get them having to answer. Here's the reason why cat, because most of the people, most of the professing atheists don't even know that they have no answers. They're so blind. I'll give you an instance. What happened with me in New York? We had a guy, his name's James. He, he was shouting, there is no God because there's evil in the world. There is no God because there's evil in the world. And I just turned to him. That's a claim. Anytime someone gives you a claim, you ask a question. I said, you know, how can there be evil without God? He never thought about that. All of a sudden, he had to think. 
questions change the way you have to think to give an answer. If I just have to look for where there's holes in your argument and try to poke holes in it, that's easy because I don't need to listen to what you're saying. I just need to listen for where I can poke a hole. But if you ask me a question, I have to think through that and give an answer. It's a different thinking process. It's called a Socratic model from Socrates. And, and because of that, you're forcing him to actually think through things. James didn't have an answer. He's like, well, you tell me what evil is. I'm like, I didn't say it exists. And he kept, he, he wouldn't answer. He'd just go, well, you tell me what evil is. I said, okay, evil is the absence of good and good is defined by the nature of God. How can you have evil without God? And he threw his hands up and walked away because there is no way to explain evil if God doesn't exist. Right, right. So when they say that, when they argue about rape, you don't even have to get into trying to explain the culture of, of the times and all of that. You can ask, just ask the question, why is rape wrong if God doesn't exist? By what standard? Because there's, Actually, rape would be good because it's, it promotes evolutionary progress. Yeah. I mean, if, if we are just chemical reactions, then in that worldview, rape is nothing. It's just two chemicals reacting. Sometimes they react one way, some another, but it's just a chemical reaction. Therefore, it doesn't have any moral good or bad. And when they're going to argue that it does, well, they have to be arguing that rape is a universal, absolute standard. Because they're saying that it applies to everybody. They're saying that it applies outside of what we think. But what makes the act of rape wrong? You do have to be careful, though, because when someone says, you know, uh, you know, rape is evil, they might not necessarily be saying it from the perspective of their worldview. If they're an atheist, they might say, oh, yeah, rape is unfortunate, but there's no standard in my worldview. But the problem is, in your worldview, what appears to look like rape, it looks like your God condones. And so we want to make sure we make those careful distinctions and then clarify and show um, that that's not actually the case. Because what I've noticed, too, when people use those Old Testament passages— what they do is they don't say, look, God condones rape, and then there's, there's act, the text is actually saying that. They are interpreting a text in a particular way, in a pejorative sense, and they're saying, look, your Bible promotes what I am interpreting as rape. And look, that's why it, you know, there's, some, there's a problem there. And you need to point out that that's not, you know, their interpretation is incorrect. So um, what, they're, then, what they're doing at that point is do, they're, they're attempting to do an internal critique, and you hear this a lot. They'll, they'll pretend to step into your worldview, but notice what they, what they do, and you, you showed this very well, Eli. They try to step into our worldview, but not completely. See, they only want to step into the worldview to say that your Bible condones rape, but then they leave the worldview to explain that this is wrong and that this is actually rape, right? So they, they leave the culture. They don't, they don't fully embrace the internal critique. Right. Right. They jump in, but only part way. You know, so what they're doing when they do this and they're trying to do an internal critique, if you're going to make an internal critique, you step fully into the worldview. You don't do partially into the worldview. And that's what they often do. They, they, they go in partially just to say it's wrong. They'll say, yes, well, this is what your Bible says and it's wrong. But the Bible doesn't say it's wrong. Right. Because it's a different culture. I think, also, I think also it's important, too, uh, and this, this is what you just said is huge, and I, I, 
point, I tried to point this out. I just recently had an interaction with uh, uh, an atheist on YouTube um, where he offered critique of my worldview. And I kept, I kept reminding him that as, as, as long as you throw rocks from your foundation, you're not getting anywhere. You cannot do an internal critique and then sneak in things that my worldview doesn't grant. So say, for example, how do you know God is not deceiving you? Well, that presupposes that within my worldview, there's a, there is a, a possible world in which I may, be, I may be deceived by the God of the Bible. And that's not that proposition, I may be deceived by the God of the Bible, doesn't fit within my worldview. See, what he's doing is jumping from his worldview where he thinks there is a possibility within my worldview that I might be wrong. You see what I'm saying? So I didn't let him even say that because within my worldview, I can't be wrong since God is, um, you know, in my worldview from within my framework, there is no such thing as a possibility of my God not existing. That possibility that you snuck in there is actually an element within your worldview in which my God is not an essential feature of of the world. And so people try to sneak in these kinds of things and, and Christians will will fall into the trap because they'll say, well, yeah, I guess I could be wrong. Well, not if Christianity is true, you can't be. So these people sneak in these these um, these elements that we need to point out. That is not a genuine internal critique. What you've done is you snuck into my uh, worldview and you smuggled in. It's kind of like when you, you sneak into the movies and you, and you, you smuggle in some candy that you're not supposed to bring in. Uh, people are smuggling in atheistic candy in your Christian worldview when they try to do an internal Have you done this often, Eli? No, oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've had to repent. He was many- smiling when he said that, Matt. Did you notice? He, it, it seemed like this is a regular thing he, he, he's done. <laughs> well, there's a theater worldview, and then there's a, a different world, a candy worldview. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but you see what, what makes sense? It makes sense, hopefully, is, yeah. is that I pointed out, and this is important, that possibility and impossibility is something that exists under God, not over God. In other words, God himself is the standard of possibility and impossibility. Right. My worldview is not one in which possibility and impossibility, this, this idea of contingency, stands over my God. So if you're going to say, is it possible you could be wrong, that question assumes that contingency, possibility, and probability stands over my God such that my God is not necessary. I would say probability is under my God because he's the one who establishes the very standard of what's possible and impossible. Amen. Amen. So that's why I like Eli. <laughs> so, so what we the point here being is what you end up seeing is when people make arguments, cat. You want to not just quickly jump into the answer of the argument, okay? You want to take a step back and evaluate the premise of the argument. More often than not, they have a failed premise. One of the things you could do is show that when they when they have to when an argument has to rely on logical fallacies and has to rely on things that are logically invalid, then you know it's wrong because it's if it's from God, it's going to be logically valid. Okay, because God is a logical being, and so that becomes the thing to look for, right? And by the way, I should let you know, Eli, if you don't know, um, the book Tactics is coming out with a second edition soon. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I know there's a study guide that comes with it as well. I, I encourage people to do, like, small, like, book studies on that book alone. It's, uh, it's excellent because I think it bridges the gap. Like, when you have apologetic content in your, in your mind, 
then the other challenge is actually spitting it out in a way that actually makes sense. So I think that book is a good, um, you know, a good gap filler. It kind of creates that bridge and, and connects what's in your mind onto like your real life conversation. So, yeah, I've not read it, but Got the, there's an audio book. I, I downloaded the audio book. I listened oh, it's to it on audio. Time. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good. Any other questions, Cap? No, thank you guys. I mean, I could always ask about different things, but no, 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 I can wait. Thank, thank you guys so much. I mean, for you could ask about different things, but you can wait. We're waiting for you to ask questions. So, well, Andrew's here, and you know, I'm just a rambly person. Well, what about this? And how oh, like, you, like, like the like the other Andrew never asks questions. I just added him, but like, <laughs> come on, he asks he he asks plenty of questions. We, we could give you two. Well, I'm off to hit. Well, mine was a long winded discussion. You know, well, so, that's that's because Eli came in, and then I can bring something <laughs> else up, or maybe it spawns off into something. What? It was all Eli's fault. It would it would have been uh-huh. Matt's fault, but Eli answered long winded first. Well, he's already established himself as a troublemaker anyway, sneaking in that candy. <laughs> <laughs> you see this? You come in. I, I it's because I'm Puerto Rican. I see how it is. Oh, wow, he just instantly had to go there, huh? You have to go to the race card because then I get all the automatic sympathy. So, all right, well, all I'm, right. I'm Jewish, so you must be, you must be anti-Semitic. And Matt oh just Matt just is like thinks he's slick, but he's not. He's not slick. We know oh, yeah, this. Yeah. I you am guys so are all, all of you combined. Now. Wait, wait, wait! Did you guys hear what he just said, Eli? What, what? did he? What did Matt just say? I couldn't catch it. We were all going at the same time there. Matt said I he said, was I'm, I'm slicker than all of you combined. Do do any of you here believe that Matt is slicker than all of us combined? In well, fact, when I think of slick, me, I think of greasy car salesman, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if it's a greasy car salesman, I agree Matt is slicker than all of us. But if it's being mm-hmm. slick and outsmarting, um I'm just saying, Matt, have you ever paid for a dinner? Oh yeah, I paid for lots of dinners. Mm-hmm. Mine? For himself. <laughs> I paid for a dinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's gonna happen. Well are let's you, by the way, are you going to Mantai this year? Hey, uh no, actually I won't be at Mantai, but let, let's let's see what happened on one of the after shows with the council. Let's play a clip. Was Andrew the one that helped you get uh the podcast back up? Oh wait, can you hear that? Yeah, he did Good. do the podcast. Oh, he didn't help me. He did it. No, don't don't you think you owe him a dinner for that? <laughs> does, does that come through at all or no? Not for me. No. Oh. I was playing. I was playing the clip where where they asked you if if I helped with the podcast and you said yes, and they said uh, that don't you think you owe me a dinner? I got to figure out how to get this working. <laughs> Andrew, sorry. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. That's classic. The, the reality is Matt has not has not been successful. So I'm not coming to Manti. Unfortunately, the last year Manti, Matt, why don't you explain to folks what Manti is and why it's the last year of Manti? Manti is, uh, if you were to, it's in the central part of, of uh, Utah. And um, once a year they have what's called the Manti Mormon Miracle Pageant in June. So I'll be going in about a week and a half, two weeks, spending about three days there, three or four days. And it's hot, um, and it's where the Mormon. There, there's you gotta, the geography is important, but what's really interesting is this place is in the middle of nowhere, kind of a thing, and, and the towns next to it are like 
you know, a couple 3,000 people, 4,000 people kind of thing. And so there's this temple, sacred place in Mormonism, and it's up on a nice hill. And so what they do is they use that location with this hillside to enact a play. And uh, this hill comes down, and there's this flat area, and you get 20,000, 30,000 people in this area. And so they do this film, not a film, an enact, reenactment of the early days of, of um, Mormonism, full of misrepresentations and half-truths, of course. But uh, it's it's done, and and um, it starts at uh, starts at nine o'clock, I believe, if I remember correctly. I, th- I think eight o'clock, right? Was it eight or not? As soon as it, it gets nine, dark, as soon as it starts getting dark. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, uh, what happens is Mormons are are going there for uh, for hours, uh, privacy. Uh, previously, you know, they they're, want to get good seats. They it's a big deal because you can't just get in and out in five minutes. There's there's thirty thousand people there, twenty thirty thousand people. So they trickle in over two three hours, and the the uh, the Christians are there, uh, like the poor seals are going through the shark infested waters, kind of a thing to get to the the place where they um, they hold their pageant. And so what they've done, the Mormon Church has bought a certain stri- tre- uh, street and blocked it off that we can't go on it. And uh, they've tried to uh, reduce the effectiveness of the Christians who attend. And these Christians are from all over the world. So I've met people from Brazil and uh, I think Scotland there, Canada, of course. Uh, In fact, from here, um, you know, Nathan and Lindsay, they're going. And... um, then Cameron's going to be going, and and he's taking five, six, or seven people from his church, renting a van. They're going to drive down. So from here, my house, it's about a seven-and-a-half-hour drive to get there. Um, but uh, we're going to get there and, and spend a few days there, and that's what we'll do. I'm going to take a camera and uh, try to interview people, and that'll be it. That's the last one. And the Mormon church officially has stated that uh, they're trying to go in different directions uh, and stuff, but I've heard, I won't say it on air, but, uh, I've heard some other reasons. Well, part of, part of the fact is that in that particular area, and by the way, that temple is the first Mormon temple. Uh, most people would think it's the one in Salt Lake city. Salt Lake city was, um, was the second temple built. First one started, um, for, is, is my understanding it's either that or it's reversed but the uh but this temple in manti this that area around manti is the least from what i understand the least mormon area uh in utah and a lot of people think it's because of all the evangelism that goes on because of this this uh pageant they have because you get a thousand christians you, you get uh hundreds of christians evangelizing to thousands of mormons yeah yeah, it's uh, it's really something. I mean, the, the Christians have a prayer meeting. They 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 pray. They're evangelizing. Now, there's approaches that I don't agree with, but that's okay. I don't say anything. What I'd like to do is go there, and um, I like to pick off the hecklers. So we'll have like uh, um, Aaron Shavavalop. He'll get up and do open air, and so I'll go and just stand 30 feet away from him, and that's it. He usually sees me there, and I'll just nod, you know, done things together before over the years. And he knows I'm there if anybody's going to start hassling him, depending on the situation. If it's a good heckling interchange, 
continue because he can use that. But if they're just being difficult and obstreperous, then I'll go in and, and intercept them so that he can be free to continue preaching and teaching. But and, when it's uh, me doing that, Matt steals my heckler. And no, when, when, <laughs> when, when you do it, I, I go, I go, you know, <laughs> Yeah, last year, last year Matt didn't realize. And I'm sitting there. I get this guy. I'm like trying to bring him in as a, as a heckler to build a crowd. And Matt just looks and goes, "I can answer that question," and just pulls him off to the side. I was like, "Dude, what are you doing?" Now, why did know that was your technique? No. Yeah, okay, it's all good. See, Matt, Matt was like, "Andrew's not answering the question. I have the answer, and I I will purposely." not answer some people's question when I do open air because it gets their voice louder. And yeah. and that's what I want to get. So I, I'll like ignore certain questions. <laughs> I'm ignoring the question. And Matt's just like, oh, I can answer that for you. <laughs> I was like, dude, I was working on it for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, once we figured out, you know, how people eat each work, we go, okay, good, you know. And that's okay. It's we, People want to help. There's a saying that Bill McKeever introduced me to. Bill McKeever's the founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. But uh, Bill says, hey, you clean your own fish. And if you're talking to somebody, don't go jumping into their conversation. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, rude. There's a lot of excitement there. There's a lot of, of energy going there. There's a lot of confusion and things like that. Uh, and that's just what it is. You know, nothing's perfect. And um, people make mistakes. Uh, I certainly have. Others have. Uh, you know, so, you know, but it's a good witnessing environment. It really is. The, you know, one of the things I like about Manti is... You and I both worked on a book called Sharing the Good News with Mormons, which is now out for one year. And it's 24 different people. You and I are two of the 24 authors with 24 different tactics, different ways of sharing the gospel with, with Mormons. I should say Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I should say, because we're not supposed to, they don't want to be Mormon. <clears throat> anyway, got new revelation. They're, I guess they're going to have to change the name of their choir. Um, but what we end up seeing is when you go to Manti, you get to see really what we see in that book, Sharing the Good News with Mormons, because there's just all these different people doing different things. Uh, last year, I saw something that was the first time I've ever seen this. So there was people that, actually, I saw a couple of things that were the first time. There was a girl who was watching different people do different ways of sharing the gospel. She just put a little sign out that said you get candy if you can sit against the wall for three minutes and she's or a pole and you had to stand on a right angle <clears throat> and she would have all these teenagers just trying to sit there in and stay for three minutes to get a piece of candy and she had them for three minutes just sharing the gospel with them talking about how you know she they're trying to hold themselves up by their own standard and it doesn't that, work that's better than a technique I saw you using one day because there was this grass area and you had a guy in a headlock and uh, you had this new, little New Testament. You're trying to shove it down. His I remember something like no, that. That, that. Okay, first off, first off, I wouldn't do a headlock. It would be a chokehold. Second off, that was, like the that, was the, the, like, yeah, yeah, that, that was the fundamental. Yeah, that was the fundamental. We actually get people who come out there that are they too will claim they're Mormon evangelizing the Mormons. We get the fundamentalists. So Matt, what are the differences with some of the fundamentalists and what we, what we normally think of with Mormons? Well, there's different Mormon groups. There's over a hundred different groups that used to book a Mormon and uh, or offshoots of Mormonism. So you'll find other groups and, and then you got to 
figure out what it is that particular group holds to and and it doesn't take very long to figure things out there's some odd groups around there as well it, it really is a it's a great witnessing envi environment for those of you who might be interested in attending you know you we can meet you in Salt Lake. You know, we can arrange things um, on the way down there to, to Mantite. But uh, it is a great environment. Um, just picture Christians from all over that you've never seen before, and you're talking to them or just listening to them, and they're doing things in a way that you might not consider as being appropriate for you yourself or, Oh, I wish I'd have thought of it that way. It, it just, there's the gambit is, is there. And, um, it, there's a camaraderie right away with Christians. Um, and you know, it, it's really neat. It really is. Uh, so, you know, if you want to go, um, yeah, there was someone we were mentioning, um, Eli mentioned the book Tactics, and Greg Kokel runs a ministry called Stand to Reason. <clears throat> they had someone out last year and who, who came out and did something. It was the first time I had seen this, that what, what she did was just, because like I was saying, there's so many different people with different, different ideas. Um, so the person is Amy Hall um, from Stand to Reason, and what she did was just put a, a, a board, just a whiteboard, like the... Uh, just a big, uh, kind of like a corkboard type thing with post-its. And it was just give the reasons why you hold to which. One said atheist, one said Mormon. And just people were writing reasons. And as they would write the reason, they stopped to, to write down wh why they're Mormon or why they're atheist. And as they're writing it, she has time to see what they're writing and interact with it. She just gets them to stop and, and really, it was a form of voting of which one is more, whether atheist or, or Mormon. And she really didn't care which one, <laughs> whichever side that she was going to witness to either one of them. And it was just funny to watch how, how she did that. And she came up with it while she was down there. She was just watching everybody and said, I want to do something different. And that's the, the thing I like the most about being down there is seeing the different ways people will, will evangelize. You, Matt, hold a, a sign and you just walk around with a sign. And start yeah. conversations. Yeah, the sign is uh, is Mormonism Christian, and it's a big sign. And uh, is MormonismChristian dot com? Excuse me, dot com, and it just takes you to the website. Um, you know, is that the best way? I don't know. Is it not the best way? I don't know. Is it a different way? Yeah, it's a different way. Uh, but you know, several people will hold up these signs, and and uh, these things are readable from a thousand feet away, and so uh, you can. You know, know that, that people are going to be going home later and just looking that up because who don't want to talk to anybody. So that's just, it's just a, it's not, I'm not saying it's a better way. It's just another way uh, that people witness out there. Yeah. It's good. yeah. And, and so I was mentioning the fundamentalist Mormons and, and uh, Charlie put a link here. The, the fundamentalists are those that still believe in polygamy. They believe that the Mormon church went awry by changing from polygamy and I have met some of the folks there that with their multiple wives. Yeah. So you do see that out there. My wife was a multiple wife once. I'm I'm waiting for this Eli. I'm oh, I'm waiting for the punchline. Eli's face went what? Uh, <laughs> Joseph Smith married like twenty six women. And so one they did this on several years. They would ask for women to uh, 
dress in period attire and wear a sign saying which wife of Joseph they were. And they weren't to talk to anybody. They just sat there, and Mormons would come up and see like 26 uh, women of varying ages. They tried to kind of coordinate, represent them, you know, and that, this woman was this old, that one was this young. They tried to do that. It was very effective, and the Mormons were very offended by it. Well, offended because several of his, Joseph Smith's wives, were young teenagers. You got that right. There was, some of his wives were already married. Mm-hmm. Some of his wives were sisters. Uh, there, yeah. I remember there was one who was married to someone. He married the sister and then married the married sister. Um, so, yeah, there were, he, you know, he had very young wives. He had other people's wives. Now, one of the things that really has been hurting the, the Mormon church, I think, is something called the Internet. <laughs> yeah, darn the Internet. Um Bill and I talked, Bill McKeever and I talked about this. Uh, he noticed that about 96, 97, a year or two after the Internet really became the Internet, uh, that they started having problems uh, with the Mormon, in the Mormon church. In fact, there's a new phenomenon out, uh, which I need to do a little more research. It's called um, the New Mormonism. And I'm not sure if it's an official category, but it, it's what I've been hearing has been called. And a new Mormonism is arising out of the problem that the internet and facts have caused. So the Book of Mormon has been changed. The Doctrine and Covenants has been altered. The archaeological evidence for Mormonism is just not there. Uh, the documents, the legal documents against various prophets, uh, you know, are, are there. Various things that are really problematic for Mormonism um, the the uh, Mountain Meadows massacre issue, which I went to the 150th anniversary, where it was where the Mormons killed uh, over 120 men, women, and children, uh, just murdered them. That's another story, but nevertheless. Um, oh, I forgot my train of thought. Darn it! Okay, so that. we were talking about the internet because we were talking oh, yeah. about the multiple wives and how that's really hurt. Yeah, so the new Mormonism, and so what they're doing now is saying that. Uh, the Book of Mormon, these various things, they're not meant really necessarily to be all that archaeologically, historically accurate, but they are used by God to get you to feel his presence and are used as a door to truth, the spiritual realm. So you don't have to worry about all the facts and contradictory information anymore. You just have to worry about that burning in your bosom. Burning in the bosom. I call it heartburn. You have have the same situation uh I, I, I don't want to bring the conversation to the issue of methodology, but you have some Mormons actually using a, this is, I think, a direct response to the lack of evidence or contradictory evidence is they are using a sort of presuppositional approach in which, you know, you can't just point to the evidence because they have their interpretive grid. And so when speaking with Mormons, you, you kind of have to use uh, a presuppositional approach with them because pointing to specifics they're just going to interpret it in light of their their ultimate commitment so you want to be sensitive to that otherwise you kind of run the same risk of talking with some atheists where you just you know you're just piling evidence versus you know your evidence versus his evidence and it's just a never-ending saga of comparing who has the most well the the internet really has i mean we has really done a lot of damage to mormon church you you have they used to deny Joseph Smith's other wives, many of them, especially the younger ones and other people's, the ones that were married, 
the internet revealed that's you know now that's out there there's things like the there's a book of abraham where joseph smith supposedly got these plates that are you know these hieroglyphics uh and he interpreted it and then when we found a rosetta stone we realized he didn't or he translated i should say and we now know he didn't translate it correctly um but you know one thing that is interesting and i don't know if you if you know this matt but mormonism actually helped to form the internet the way it is today you you're aware of that story uh with sandra tanner okay now i gotta hear this Oh, you okay? So Sandra Tanner, when she talks, she uh, has talked in in her testimony on that on the um, when we went on that apologetics cruise. She was actually the Mormon Church was so upset with her and her husband Gerald that they were doing all this research on Mormonism, and go, they had to remember this is a day before the internet. You had to go into libraries, and they would go and get these documents and make copies of them, and then they would have to basically run off copies of copies to produce their stuff. And when the internet came out, they had put a link to someone who had released, put basically the manual of, of what goes on in the temple ceremonies. And they had a manual and this person put it up there, but that was copyrighted material. They were so upset with the Tanners. The Tanners had a link being a bigger no a bigger website, people went to the Tanner site and from there found this link to the manual. Well, the Mormon Church sued Gerald and Sa- Sandra Tanner for having the link, and so the question came down: Is were they responsible for the information that they linked to, or not? And this really would have changed the the internet if they went the other way they sided with the tanners and said the tanners are not responsible because they didn't put it up and therefore they were able to keep the link up and the person responsible is the one that put it up on the internet but had they had the mormon church won you think about it matt think about all the links you have on karm.org you would be responsible for everything that you link out there you put anything you put a link up there someone could change that underneath it and you could be responsible for what they did now you think on a a website like carm there's no way you'd be able to track all of those links so it it would have radically changed the way the internet ended up happening because we wouldn't people would be less likely to put links to other sites up and that was all because the mormon church sued the tanners because it's something that someone else put up wow yeah but they, they wanted to get the Tanners. The Mormon Church wanted to put a stop to the Tanners because the the Tanners were doing such damage to the Mormon Church just by telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah, they did a great job. Yeah, they did a great job. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know your books are all packed. I'm looking to find where mine is. But there's a book about Yo Thick, uh, probably about, I think, two, maybe three inches uh, and Matt will know which book I'm, I'm referring to. Maybe it's one or two inches. It's it's a book that has the almost 4,000 changes in Mormonism. Oh, yeah, 4,319 4, changes to the Book of Mormon. Why is that significant, Matt? 4, well, because the Book of Mormon is supposed to be the most, most – in history of the church, fund Mormonism in the history of the church, that's their seven-volume set. History of the church, volume four, page uh, 461. 
the Book of Mormon is the most book, correct book of any book on earth, and a man can get closer to the precepts of God by following it than by any other book. Well, the Book of Mormon has been changed. And what uh, uh, Sandra told me that she and her husband, Gerald, did was they had an original Book of Mormon uh, off the press, hot off the press, you know, the original one. Not a copy of the original, the original. And um, so I actually have held an original also, an original original, the first printing. I've actually held one in my hand. But at any rate, so what they did was um, they, uh, uh, I think either she read or he read the original, whatever. And uh, one would read the original word for word, and they had gone through mimeographed the entire current Book of Mormon for the year that they did this. I don't know, back in the 70s, I think it was, or 80s. And... Um, then they circled all the, the changes. And 3,913 3, changes, that's what it is, 3,913 changes to the Book of Mormon. And uh, I will use that uh, pretty effectively to be able to um, refute Mormonism. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's worth getting. You can get it off their, their website, Utah Lighthouse Ministry. So I'm going I'm to put it up right here so folks can see. Let's get this on camera for those. 3,913 3, changes in the Book of Mormon. And this will give you an idea for those watching on the video. If you can see this, um, is, it, is that right? Uh, it goes this way, right? Yeah. So you can see what they actually had to do is mimeographic, and they write notes in there of all the changes. This is in a book that was, the, the importance of the reason this is so amazing is because the, the Book of Mormon was after the printing press. Why is that so important? There should not have been, once they had one copy that Joseph Smith translated, there would never have been a need to do any other changes if it is the most accurate book that ever was. And so when you have a copy, when you're making a handwritten copy from another manuscript, you can copy it and make a mistake. But when you do this with a Book of Mormon, that is, after the printing press, and you're keeping it accurate, you only have to get one. And once you have that mimeograph, you can run off as many as you need, and they're always going to be the same. So the fact that there were changes shows that it's wrong when it says it is the most accurate book that there is. Because it clearly wasn't accurate, they needed to make changes. Yeah, but, lots of changes, and there's been changes since they did that. Yeah, so let's see. This was the, I'm trying to see if it says which... Uh, what the uh, twos were. So this was um, the reprint of the 1830 edition of the Book of Mormon. Um, so I'm trying to see what the other year was. I guess yeah, so. that's, yeah, they, they, that's right. They mimeographed or Xeroxed off, whatever you want to call it, the original, and then yeah. uh, wrote on, on that. That's right. And it is so valuable. What I'll do is I'll carry my New Testament, Greek New Testament with me. I used to do this in Southern California a lot. I moved up here to Idaho. It doesn't happen so much. I didn't carry it in my trunk of my car but down there i would do it all the time and i would uh i had a book of mormon that you know you open it up like you know normally this way well i moved it sideways and i put tabs across the pages you know one god uh mary burn of a virgin um the trinity justification or salvation by grace you know various things and i would have that uh and I would also have the Greek New Testament and the 3,913 changes to the Book of Mormon. And between those uh, three, uh, I, I was told that uh, it destroyed a lot of uh, Mormon testimonies, and um, you know, with the facts. Well, I'm I'm actually excited. Um, maybe I shouldn't mention this on air because someone will get the word back. Those those trolls will probably get word back. But 
I actually have Mormon missionaries coming to visit. I'm so excited, Matt. We, I have been on the uh, you're not allowed to go visit list for a very long time. Um, I don't know if you remember when I came out to Idaho and they had the temple opening out by you. Um, one of the guys, I think I forget who it was, as soon as I got there, I think it was Cameron that said, within me being there five minutes, they were taking a photo of me. And oh, when, yeah. when I went to do a tour, it, just our tour was told we're a silent tour and no questions are allowed to be asked. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they, they had me pegged right from the beginning. But they, I, I'm like the type, I actually, whenever I move, I write the, the Mormon church and I request a Book of Mormon. They used to send a missionary. At my last house, they didn't send the missionary. They just sent a Bible. When I moved to the house I'm in now, nothing. When I've gone out to Utah, every time I go to Utah, I request Mormon missionaries to visit, and I get nothing. So I'm really excited. They're going to they're gonna send three Mormon missionaries to come visit me. Yay! I can't wait. Well, good. I think it's a, it's a good opportunity. I, I don't get visited. I don't know why. I they don't come visit me. The Jehovah's Witnesses don't come visit me either. Well, the, the, yeah, I know why the Jehovah's Witnesses don't visit me, but I can I can tell you what you should do if you want them to visit you, Matt. What? You you have that picture of yourself on your front door. Take that down. It scares the neighbors. It's scary. That is true. That's why your house has so many people only at Halloween. I was thinking, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I was thinking of getting an Eli face mask and stand out there and see how that works. Then you're going to have people knocking on, you're going to have people, yeah, all the young ladies are going to be pounding on your door. <laughs> yeah, something's going to happen. You know, maybe my wife might pay more attention to me. Who knows? Actually, no. Your wife isn't even going to enter the house. She's just going to be standing outside and staring at the front door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You guys are going to be head now. <laughs> She's going to go, I could look at this outside or go in and look at that. I'll stay out here. <laughs> I'll stay that in the cold. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, th- there's a reason that uh, the, they don't like visiting people that actually know things. And, and it's interesting. Um, there's someone in the, in the chat who's mentioning how the Jehovah Witnesses are trying to make a comeback. Have you noticed the new tactics that Jehovah Witnesses have been doing, Matt? Because they they don't go to my house anymore. No, well they don't go they don't go to homes anymore so much. They set up as you know you you'll remember this when we went to Dallas. They set up in in the airports, airports. places like yeah. that, and they do not talk to anybody who wants to engage with them that actually knows anything. They're just like, oh no, we're just here to give them information. They totally they're now being trained not to answer us at all. They just cut us off altogether. You know. The question I have for the Jehovah's Witnesses is, why do your buildings have no windows? Why do you not want the light to get brighter? <laughs> I always say that with, with uh, abortion clinics. Andrew Andrew says he's got a question for us. Actually, he oh, said, no. let me in, LOL. <laughs> All right, Andrew, All right, Andrew you can you? unmute no, yourself. No, that, that was in relation to uh, the, the, the face mask on the door. Oh, you wanted to get it. <laughs> well, look, Andrew, ask away. Yeah. You've got two and a half smart people here. I actually do have a question, though. Uh, well, not, not a question as such, but um, I'll just take myself off camera, too. Um, I was going to say, uh, the Mormon Church aren't the only ones that are trying to change their, their books either. Uh, the Scientology has uh, apparently tried to do a redoing of their books. Um, it's rather interesting. Um, I'm, I'm a bassist and I'm a big fan of a band called Mr. Big and 
Billy Sheen is actually a Scientologist, which scares me, but I like him because he's a great bassist. Um, but yeah, it's kind of kind of interesting to, to, to note that all these religions are suddenly having to uh, change their books. Um, and I was also going to say I was visited about oh, about a month ago by two JW witnesses, uh, missionaries, and they um, came to my house and they said, here, have this and come do our research and we'll come back in a month. Uh, that was about two months ago. Is that Aussie month? So is that different than the United States months? Uh, as in, no, 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 that's the same thing, but like they came out like a month ago and then they, no, no, they that, said they that was forward. Andrew, Andrew, that was Matt's really, really, really bad attempt of a joke. It Just just yeah. move on with okay. it. Just, just he, he tries. Oh, okay. Just give him an A for effort, okay? He tried. A for effort, no, it's pretty good. I missed it totally. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, he... Because it's Aussie humor or American humor? Never mind. I'm oh, see, he's just—it's—he's two for two. And Andrew, remember that Matt said there were only two and a half smart people. Well, obviously, he—he <laughs> yeah. he thought you were half, and Eli and I were the smart ones, and he doesn't even count. Oh, I was talking to Eli and me and you, Andrew. Well, clearly, you just proved that wrong. <laughs> Apparently, I did. Because I'm a lady, isn't it? <laughs> well, you're Nothing. smarter than all of us. No, 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 no. Because you're keeping quiet. Now. That's why <laughs> she's keeping an eye out for all the I'm trolls she's really... booting. <laughs> I was going to add Matt's the two and a half. <laughs> is that is that his age or intellect? <laughs> no, nah, not age, but you know, double size. <clears throat> the reality Sorry. is, I'm about a mm, eight intellect, and you guys are all dumbing it down for me. So. You know, I just have grace and mercy, and you know, biblically, I'm just submitting to you guys. It just doesn't uh, matter that I'm more intelligent. Your husband. Well, yeah, yeah, but you guys on a social level. Okay. On a social level, yeah. Social level. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't submit to us. Losers. Yeah. All right. Well, we we got someone that came in. We got about oh maybe ten minutes left. I'm going to add in KD. And, yeah. If I need to. Yeah. We're going to see. Well, he's lasted more than a couple of seconds. So, uh, Katie, you can uh, KD, not Katie, KD, you can um, unmute yourself. Let me see if I can. Uh, there you go. I unmuted you. You can ask your question. Oh, I didn't have a specific question. I, I didn't realize that I was asking a specific question. I was on here oh. last week, so I just came in to watch you guys this week. That's Mr. Kit. I just, I like Matt and all the people here, so I just came here to watch you all. Wait, 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 this wait, is wait, Mr. wait. Um, How are you? You must have a bad, bad uh, sense of judgment if you like Matt. And the other people here, he said, notice that. Yeah. Well, Matt said some pretty funny things last week. If you want to make fun of him, and Andrew, I can uh, help you do that. So are you, are you, Jesus was God, for instance. Oh, he yeah. isn't God now. It was a historical kind of a comment. See, he was God back in then, but it didn't say he wasn't now. So they were getting on me. There's something else I said that I knew that. And I, I, told him, I told him I was in jail for preaching the gospel one oh, night, yeah. and so I was singing hymns in Hebrew so I wouldn't you know, be in a bad mood. I was trying to you know, not be depressed. And he said, uh, why were you singing in Hebrew? And I, I said, you know, is there something wrong with Hebrew? What's your problem? You know, uh, so. But what did I say? It was interesting. And then the whole week, every time somebody asked me about it, they said, 
Yeah, Matt wasn't willing to put up the video to it, so nobody got to see it. It's it's up. I didn't put it, not take it up or not put it, whatever. It's it's there. Uh, I didn't do anything to it. But I was Never saying, mind. why sing in Hebrew? Sing in English so they can understand you. So it's well, a form of evangelism. That's yeah, well, I, I know no, the video. I, I could say that the video was up because I I needed the video to get the audio for the podcast that, that'll drop, uh, I guess, tomorrow. I think tomorrow it drops. But, uh, yeah, the, the video was up there. Now, now, since Matt, the apologist, doesn't know about other faiths, he doesn't know that Messianics will sing in Hebrew and then the next chorus will be in English. Oh, so he know. didn't know that. And so, you know, okay, well, we can understand. Correct. Matt, I love you. I, uh, I wouldn't come here and poke fun at you if I didn't love you. But, no, I don't have a specific question. So if you have better things to get to, certainly go no, ahead. No, no. I it. mean, we could, we could point out once again that Matt has some troubles understanding some things. He just said he stands corrected. But everybody can see that he is sitting. And even worse than I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so is that you as the president there on your, uh, on your profile? Yeah, that was shot at the Ronald Reagan uh, library. So you can see Jimmy Carter's there with me. I'm trying to teach him the gospel, you know, because he's <laughs> out there in the left. Because um, he doesn't know the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> he may know a lot about peanuts, but yeah, not the gospel. And the reason I did that was I, I was wearing a T-shirt with a, with a casino on it, and I thought if I if I go live and my my camera goes live, someone's going to make fun of me for the casino T-shirt. So, and I don't actually go to casinos. I was just wearing an old T-shirt. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I haven't. I actually haven't gotten a chance to listen to last week's, but I'm sure that uh, I probably should do some editing. I was told because, like, the first the the episode that just dropped, I didn't have I didn't have a chance in the Philippines to do all the editing. I just tr- tried to put it up, and I was late, and so I just was in a rush. And I, you know, Matt was it was probably a good twenty thirty minutes. Of Matt going, so what do I do here? I'm a I'm a tech. I'm a IT tech, but uh, I can't get this to work. Uh, well, Hey, uh, anyone? Can you get this link to work? It was it was entertaining radio. It was weird. <laughs> wow, it's beat up on that night. All right, yeah, it is. Glad hey, I'm here. I missed like four weeks of beat up on Matt. This is this is my therapy. <laughs> what happened was we discovered. I tell you this before we started the show. That something very unusual happened in that I would, uh, if I did the show under one account. We had all kinds of problems, but did the show under a different login account, then all the problems went away. And it took a while to figure that out. It was it was weird. We I was a computer tech at HP for five years, and we would every now and then get together and talk about these anomalies that we couldn't figure out that just didn't make any sense. That would have been one of them. But that's what yeah. By the way, he- <laughs> by the way, hello, Cat B. Love you. Hope you're having a great evening. You're awesome, Mr. Kit. Thank you. Thank you. Well, she everybody, she had a busy everybody. she she had a busy evening early on. She was kicking out the trolls with us. Oh wow! Yeah, checking them out too. I yeah. Three separate windows open for three separate locations. Just juggling them all. They're crazy. Hey, Mr. Cat. Mr. Cat. KT. KT online says that I was making up for lost time. That's why. <laughs> well, yeah, I was on my own server, and people just kept coming in and and telling me what a rotten person i am so you know i guess that's why i set up the server isn't it so that you could tell me what a you know how horrible i am spiritual warfare means you're doing great things for the lord praise god 
All right. Yeah. Well, we got about seven minutes left in the show. Matt, any uh, any new articles you're working on for CARM? At the moment, uh, no. I'm just trying to catch up on some things. There's hopefully going to be some changes uh, at CARM. And so uh, I'm prepping for some of those. Hopefully, we'll see what happens. New leadership. We're hoping some new some changes. We're gonna we're love- repl- Matt's gonna be replaced by a cat. Yeah, it'll be I, a big I, improvement. I love you, Matt. Don't take me seriously unless I say I love you, Matt. Hey, no problem. Um, no, I, I know you. He just around, missed but, that. Uh, no, there's, there's, there's going to be some changes. Andrew and I have spent a lot of hours talking about a lot of stuff. And um, let, me, let me say this. Because you brought that up, Andrew, I would like to just say to people that, uh, that CARM has actually, actually, a lot of people don't know this, but the, the server crashed on CARM three years mm-hmm. ago today. Today is, is it, the June 6th. And um, it crashed. We've not recovered from it. And uh, there's been a lot of issues, a lot of things. And um, I'm actually very uh, distracted and uh, trying to focus, as you, even as I'm going through here, because of the conversations that uh, Andrew and I have had, nothing against Andrew at all. But there's a lot happening, and it's very difficult for me sometimes to um, stay focused. There's, there's just a, a lot happening. And uh, well, uh, like, I think you, you're you're planning on working on some articles on NAR. If I... Well, what I, what I want to do is once things kind of get back in place, is uh, finish up a section on slavery uh, because it's it's not a be, be a very big section, but it's kind of necessary, and uh, then jump into NAR, New Apostolic Reformation, because that's just going to be a long, a huge project. It's not going to be an easy one. This is just too much. Yeah. And that's, and actually that's how we kind of started the show talking about Justin and I going to the Philippines to deal with NAR because it, it is, that is unfortunately the branch of quote unquote Christianity that is spreading across the world and very, very popular right now in Africa. I was surprised how popular in the Philippines, but that's really what we're seeing in a lot of places. And it's a very dangerous, you know, I said this at the, at the conference, Matt, I'd, I'd be curious if you agree. I, I was arguing that NAR and word of faith is more dangerous than Islam or Catholicism or Mormonism because Mormonism has left Jehovah Witnesses have left Christianity. They made it clear that they were separate, that they say we don't have the gospel and, and they, they have it. But NAR, Word of Faith, they're still within Christianity trying to recruit from within Christianity. They haven't separated. And that's why I think they're more dangerous. Do you agree or, or have a different view? Well, I don't know. I, uh, um, I wouldn't disagree, but I, I don't know if I would agree. But, I, but then again, I, I'm not disagreeing either. Because what you're doing is you're putting your finger on the pulse of the danger, the danger of, of uh, apostasy from within. Now, I've read some uh, deeply read some um, NAR material written by some of their authors. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of good in a lot of what they say. And that, that's a fact. And some of their argumentation is quite good. And um, I could even learn a few things from some of the things that they're saying and the way they exegete and look and put things together. You know, as you check, you go, yeah, that's consistent. So there's a lot of good. 
Well, it's the issue of the miracles. It's the issue of the submission of the gospel. It's the issue of present-day revelation to prophets and apostles today in a power control area. And this can affect a whole bunch of other areas. The NAR is huge, and it, one statement doesn't cover it all. So it certainly has the potential of, of uh, destroying the, the true gospel from within. Now, I, I let me be clear for folks so that they don't jump off on, on what you said and, and take it out of context, so we have it on the record at least. There are things you can learn from them because of the fact that even false teachers are going to tell enough truth to make it believable, to make it something that people are going to buy into. So not everything that you're going to hear in an NAR church or something like that are, is going to be false. Not everything. But it's going to be the, the things that you are going to see that are false are going to be the distraction to pull you away from Scripture, uh, to pull you away from uh, really the things of God. And so... I'm just going to mute Eli because we're getting feedback from him. Sorry, dude. Um, <laughs> but uh, Andrew's asking about Hillsong, and I, I would say, and you know, if you listen to, if you listen, Sunday is going to drop uh, Andrew Rapport's rap report. Um, if you search for that, you're going to see Justin and I. We're going to talk about Hillsong, why it's so dangerous, why Jesus culture is so dangerous. It's not that the the music. Some of the lyrics are good. Some of the lyrics I could sing to my wife and there would be no big deal. It's that it literally could be sung to a boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, but there's some lyrics that are heretical. And when you, yeah. you, you get those, some that are good and then you start following them and they use the music as the hook to bring you in. That's when they, they pull you into their cult. And yeah. yes, I said, it's a cult. I have an, I have an episode on rap report with Amy Spearman. We go through it. I even shocked her because I let her explain what it was. And then I went from my book. What do they believe? I defined a cult and I asked her whether it fit the definition. And one by one, she ended up agreeing. Yes, the NAR is a cult. So it's dangerous. It is. So with that, we're going to, we're going to close out. We, you know, we didn't do Matt. We'll, we'll go a quick plug for my pillow. We forgot. <laughs> we see we've been out of the, out of six so long. Uh, our, our sponsor, they sponsors the, uh, the Matt Slick live, which you can listen to Monday through Friday. Um, and you can go to karm.org to get the times and, um, and the phone number to call in. But Matt Slick Live is a radio show that uh, that Matt does with Carm. And we have one of their sponsors with My Pillow, a great pillow. And if you're interested in picking one up, you can call 1 800 944 5396. Tell them you heard about it on Apologetics Live. We would appreciate that, though we don't actually get a kickback for it. Um, nope. But, uh, but, well, you know, we, I want to say something about my pillow. Well, I'm not saying this because they help support. Heck, I, I use that thing. I love that thing. It is the pillow I sleep with. I took mine to the Philippines. Yeah. I, I, if I went there again, I'd go. I take it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, so it is. It I use it. I have for years. I love it. So it's not just that uh, we're saying, "Oh, get it," because they they support you know Carmen Matt. No, it's because it's a great pillow. I love it, and I am trying to get the president of my pillow on. He he is a professing believer. Uh, he came from a uh, alcoholic background, and he uh, he's got a, a testimony that he he is now sharing publicly, which is very interesting. He's a big supporter of pro-life ministries, uh, gave, I think a million dollars to some pro-life ministries. That's got him into a lot of heat with, uh, the leftist, but, uh, Hey, 
you know, the left, they're so understanding and, and yeah, the fairness. The left is just yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing a podcast I think soon, Matt, on what some call green terrorism or what I call economic terrorism, because that's what we see. We see Georgia passes a bill that Hollywood doesn't like. And it's like, we're going to hurt you financially. If you don't do what we say. Yeah. It's what it is. is Everyone lives in fear of losing their job or losing business. If they don't agree with things that certain people say must be agreed to. Well, that's terrorism. They weaponize uh, their position. Mm-hmm. They weaponize it if you don't agree with their liberalism. This is it's that, that's a form of communism, actually, of oppressiveness, of Marxism and totalitarianism. And it's a form of of terrorism because of the fact that you live in fear of not being. You, you could see this when you know. I always thought it interesting when Barack Obama was president. If people criticized Barack Obama, it was like they lowered their voice because they didn't want to be overheard criticizing him. Now, when you hear people talk about Trump, even if they want to say something good, it's amazing how people have to first say, well, I don't agree with everything he says. You know, I never heard anyone say that with Barack Obama. No supporter of Barack Obama did I ever hear them say, well, I don't agree with everything he says, but... And that's you wear they- a mega hat and you can be assaulted. Yeah, well, there was a guy that, yeah. That's no, true. I've seen it a lot. Their hats are stolen, people are assaulted. Why? They wear a hat. But you know what? I saw a guy. I saw a guy in the Philippines with a "Make America Great" hat. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I was like, "Okay, great. You can wear that here without fear. <laughs> you can't do that in America." But America, uh, you know, folks. I hope that you enjoy this. If you want to listen to the to this this these episodes, become a podcast that you can download. Just it's Apologetics Live. It'll be automatically downloaded to whatever podcast app you have you just search for apologetics live subscribe for free and it'll download automatically uh if you have it set up that way and you can listen every week as we drop a new episode uh the one that's going to be coming out next will be one that with dr anthony silvestro who is on matt's radio station today if you missed that well then what you can do is on your podcast app do a search for matt slick or christian apologetics research ministry and the the episode will be coming out, and what you end up having there is the radio show that we mentioned earlier is also a podcast. It's on Sermon Audio. If you want to just go to Sermon Audio and check it out there, you could do that as well. So some ministries or some resources you could do. We've we mentioned today Tactics uh, by Greg Kokel. You can get that at Stand to Reason, str.org. Um, you can also go to karm.org. And not only is there a ton of materials out there and things you can spend years researching uh, with the number of materials out there, but a lot of the questions you may have can be answered there. If you want to check out some of the schools, CARM has some schools, Striving for Eternity has some schools, and you can check those out. You can So you can go to CARM.org for those or StrivingForEternity.org for the ones at Striving for Eternity. But check out the ChristianPodcastCommunity.org. We are have a growing network of podcasters podcasters who work together we're up to i think 10 or 11 and i got three or four more to be adding this this month so it's it's really been growing and we haven't even started to be seeking for folks to join us yet um which is keeping us a little bit busier than we planned but a lot of good solid podcasts if you like podcasts go to christianpodcastcommunity.org and uh, you can you can check out all the ones that we have there uh, I don't, I don't, I know we're going to be trying to set up some debates 
Matt. I know that um, we're waiting to see where what things are going to happen with with your move. But I know there's a Catholic who I uh, got his number. I got to give him a call to try to set up a time for for a formal debate. Uh, there's there was a folk someone in here earlier saying to set up a debate. If anyone wants to set up debates with either Matt or I, um, an easy way to do that is just contact us. You can go to uh, strivingfraternity.org. There's a contact form there that you can use, or just email at info at strivingforeternity.org. Let me know who it is that you want to debate, the topic, and uh, whether they want to debate Matt or I, and we'll try to find a time to set up a two-hour debate, and we'll have those at time to time. So, with that, we, we thank you guys for, for listening. For those who came in, asked questions, thanks for your questions. We always appreciate the fact that, literally, for folks who don't know, Matt and I usually pray the fact that this this podcast, these videos, they literally go around the world. We have Andrew from Australia in here. We had folks who are who listen live or watch live from the Philippines, as I discovered. That really encourages Matt and I to know that we sit in our homes and do these these uh, recordings, and it literally has an impact around the world. And that is what we hope that God will use to help educate Christians on defending the faith. We hope it was helpful for that purpose for you. And until next week, remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God.